Oh no. <clears throat> oh god. Kevin, I want to talk to you about the word podcasting. That word should have new meaning for us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences over best scenes anymore. <laughs> we will be united in our common interests in randomly selected, weirdly specific topics. Perhaps it's just fate that today is a Tuesday, just a random day that we record. For we are once again back to the mic. Not to talk about politics, health, or something useful, but to talk about random film shit. <laughs> and should we record today and every other coming second Tuesday, aside from holidays, trips to dentist, and, you know, days we're feeling a bit tired, this day will no longer be known as Tuesday, but today will be known as <laughs> our podcasting day! Yes! Come on! Come on! Yeah! Yes! Get to that mic! Come on! Oh my god, and I'm the one that has the reputation for being mental. Let's fucking kick fucking ass! Give me a Harley! Are you small words that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog-faced buffoon? What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. You are stupid, you have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. Don't call me stupid. Hello, and welcome to The Best Bits. A movie podcast where we pick our favorite scenes from randomly selected, weirdly specific themes. This is your co-host, Will, a writer of three films plus a Christmas special. And I am joined once again by my co-host and writer of one of the bit films and three and a bit episodes of TV, Queen. Hello, Kevin. Tonight, uh, um, we uh, podcast in hell. <laughs> That's me doing an Orlando Bloom impression from Kingdom of Heaven. <laughs> Did that get your blood up there? I thought he was in the room with me there for a second. Oh my god. Fantastic. Yeah. If that is how you feel, then I surrender Jerusalem to you. <laughs> right, okay. So oh, you're already tipping your hat. That's gonna be your gonna be your best battle scene. <gasps> Definitely your boat. No. Best battle commander. I, I I'm gonna shock the shit out of you with my pick. Because Will oh. I don't have a pick. I'm going to let you convince me what my pick should be. Because... Oh, I like it. I have done my research. There have only been a few... Because, okay, aren't we going to focus solely on field battles? Yes, it's generally... We're not doing air-to-air. We are not doing naval battles. We are not doing space battles. So it's basically on land, ground troops. Yeah. Uh, generally on a large scale. Um, because it was, it's too broad. We just focus on any battle of any kind because there's just so bloody many. So that left me at a loss because a lot of the ones that I was sort of refamiliarizing myself with or trying to remember if I had any sort of visceral connection to, it was only a few films. And mm. I can be convinced one way or the other what way to go on this. So I'm going to leave okay. it over to you. You're going to convince like me, as my general, what battle scene I should go to war for. Oh, yeah, well, that's fair enough. I've, that's given me motivation and uh, 
uh, uh, uh, something to conquer, that's for sure. But yeah, I've watched a lot of films. Did you watch a lot of films for this, Kevin? I I am always watching a lot of films. This podcast. Did you watch a lot of scenes? I watched a lot of scenes, I'll, I'll be honest yeah. with you. I watched yeah. a couple of films I hadn't seen before, but I guess I can shock the shit out of you with one of my picks. Right. And will I give it to you now? Please, go on, because I'm going to convince you anyway later on. So go yeah, on, give so it this is now. one that I ruled out, but I thought it deserved a mention. And uh, I just need to get my notes up here so I get it right. Um, it is The Return of the Rings, The Battle for Hell's Keep. And right. it's when Dido and his genie Cullum are trying to chuck the coin into Solomon's well and make a wish to get rid of all the dorks. <laughs> and the Vikings and uh, the wizards, they're fighting um, outside the castle and there's yeah. trollophants. And the fairy fella is like, he's got a bet going with Hagar. And yeah. uh, there's birds. There's a whole load of shit. That's one of my favorite ones. <laughs> did you watch it specifically in research for this episode? I did. On slow motion as well, just to, you know, get it, take it all in. Yeah. Yeah. Come here. That's after giving me a good place to go. Because that one, that particular battle that you are vaguely referring to is the one at the Black Gates in Return of the King. And that one starts with a, like what you heard at the top of this episode, a great motivational, motiv- motivational speech by Viggo Mortensen. essential elements of a lot of these films. Not essential. It's not essential, but it's there in an awful lot of these films and an awful lot of really good films are quality motivational speeches. The general rallying, rising up the troops. Yeah. Okay. Now this is the shit that I like. There's there's a couple of ones. There's a couple of standout ones. I do like, generally do like that Viggo Mortensen one in front of the Black Gates and Return of the King. Uh, I think that's pretty good until that last for Frodo moment. I don't really like that. Uh, what ones do you like? Or is there any particular one that you really like? Well, I suppose when you think of motivational speeches, you're going to automatically throw back to Braveheart. Of course. That's a fantastic one. The Almighty says this must be a fashionable fight. It's drawn the finest people. Where is thy salute? For presenting yourselves on this battlefield. I give you thanks. This is our army. To join it, you give homage. I give homage to Scotland. And if this is your army, why does it go? 
We didn't come here to fight for them! Oh! The English are too many! Sons of Scotland! I am William Wallace. William Wallace is seven feet tall. Yes, I've heard. He kills men by the hundred. And if he were here, he'd consume the English with fireballs from his eyes and bolts of lightning from his arse. <laughs> I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Right? Against that? No! We will run! And we will live. Aye. Fight and you may die. Run. And you'll live. At least a while. I'm dying in your beds many years from now. Would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! The scene in that movie that I think sold so many repeat tickets to the film, yeah, because just get it, get it, and because he delivers it so impassioned, it just makes yeah. the hairs in the back of your neck stand up. It really does. As I was revisiting my mind there, yeah, I was exact. I got the tingles. I got the tingles. Yeah, but you know what's funny? Looking back at it now, is how different the filmmaking techniques are covering that battle to sort of everything that came after Saving Private Ryan with the shutter speed sort of effect yep. and the desaturated look to the battles. Because one of the things that holds me at a distance from the battles post like Braveheart era is the shutter speed, the desaturated look of them and just the ubiquitous nature of CG everywhere, like CG armies yeah. against CG armies. Back then, you you look at it and you can tell it's a thousand extras coordinated on a hillside actually doing um, choreography and to try and sell the moment. And you go back further from that, back to like Zulu and back to like mm-hmm. uh, one that I watched for this episode, Waterloo, where they I think they had 20,000 extras to sort of recreate the, Napoleon's uh, uh, battle at Waterloo when Abba beat Olivia Newton-John. They beat the Brits. R.I.P. R.I.P. I absolutely take your point. There is this delineation. Once we start going into the CGI army territory, you start to lose 
interest, you start to become less engaged. And maybe that's actually a thing that hampered a lot of the stuff in Return of the King, for instance. You know, you had an awful lot of CGI armies, which doesn't hold up on repeat viewings. But for Braveheart, even when they are using fake horses, you know, when you know fake horses are, you know, being speared, even though you know they're fake, we've said it before, there's something tactile and there's something very visceral yeah, about Yeah, you notice like images. a load of like film students in like cosplay way at yeah. the back with like wooden swords and, um, you know, uh, paper mache armor and they're just like, come on the fuck. <laughs> well, in that case, there are an awful lot of uh, Irish army lads just hanging around. There's so many lads here in the town around our age uh, who say, oh yeah, I was in Braveheart. There's a lot of lads who are just like extras. People extras passing off that and, uh, oh, oh yeah, I was also in Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, I, I yeah. was in Saving What? What? <laughs> you bastards. You were talking about Braveheart and that uh, reminded, I caught up with a, a few scenes from Spartacus and on watching Spartacus, Stanley Kubrick's film, it was quite clear that it directly influenced Braveheart in a lot of ways because it has Kirk Douglas has a great motiva- motivational speech in that mm-hmm. uh, it has the, the element of a, a beautiful moment, there's an absolutely incredible scene where it's the Roman soldiers are setting up against the Spartan warriors and the Roman, and it's a really long long shot of the Roman troops like falling into position mm-hmm. and as you said it feels like thousands of extras coordinated to pull off this you know these maneuvers all on on camera on widescreen yeah and, and it's so, so much more impressive oh it's just you're, you're standing there with the gladiators in that case watching it and you can feel the the, the dread from their point of view because they're they're a distant enemy they're just like wow look how coordinated they are but also what I love about Spartacus that was used in um, obviously uh, Mel Gibson ripped off not ripped off but homaged in, in Braveheart is how they use fire as a way yeah, with the rolling, the, the, the rolling the rolling the hay bales <laughs> down there. that looks a bit you know chintzy where you're like going yeah that's the best they could do in 1950s Hollywood <laughs> but uh, yeah it's Whee! <laughs> you, you, you're looking at it thinking somewhere. just walk around it lads just, just not that yeah. big of a deal like. <laughs> there are a couple of them who tried to jump over it but they kind of adds the, the Wilhelm screams to kind of go no you can't even jump over it even if it comes near you're dead you know if it rolls over I you're tell dead. you what horses do not have much luck in battlefields my god they get fucking savaged But going back to motivational speeches, there are a few more that are quite cracking. There, uh, you you brought up one, Orlando Bloom's one. I'm joking, not, or, not Orlando Bloom's That's one. That's a good film, Kingdom. though. That's a Kingdom of Heaven, especially the director's cut, is a really good film, and I would stand by recommending that. I think it's. I think there are moments where Orlando Bloom feels like he doesn't believe what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And he was very young when he did that film. I think he was like 22, 23. So wow. you, you, can, you can feel that he's a young man. And I guess that plays into the character of him trying to live up to his father's mantle. But you just want him to be a bit more expressive, a bit more, to have a bit more fire behind the eyes, to have a bit more color to his delivery. Yeah. I've got one that actually 
shares parallels with Orlando Bloom's character from Kingdom of Heaven. And it's glory. I understand you were at Antietam. Yes. A great and a terrible day. I could use your help, Robert. The governor is proposing to raise a regiment of Negro soldiers. I've submitted your name to be commissioned colonel of the 54th Massachusetts Infantry. I mean, I know how much you'd like to make colonel, but a colored regiment? <laughs> I'm going to do it. Dear mother, the men learn very quickly. Faster than white troops, it seems to me. They have risked their lives to be here. They have given up their freedom. I owe them as much as they have given. I owe them my freedom. My life, if necessary. One, nine, one, one. I I can knock something down with this. A million loyal readers want to know what happens when the men of the 54th see action. Ain't no dream. We run away slave, but we come back fighting. Million and one. Marching is probably all we'll ever get to do. And they gotta know that nobody's gonna let them fight. (laughs) Am I right? (laughs) Let you take your regiment out to fight. When? Just as soon as I can write the orders. Have you seen Glory? The Denzel Washington one? Yeah. I have years ago, but I haven't revisited it for this. So I revisited it for this. And there's, um, and it actually really worked. And I think it set a trend for about a decade or more of maybe uh, a kind of a Hollywoodized and maybe over, not sentimentalized depiction of war, you know, where war is kind of like treated as something that's quite noble. But it's a very effective film. And Matthew Broderick's character throughout that film is the first, we'll say general, corporal, whatever it is, leader of the first kind of solely black battalion mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the Union Army. And the whole film builds up to a battle uh, where he's, he's kind of finding his way to be a sort of, uh, trying, to, trying to be a good leader and kind of failing. So he's, he's a bit of a fop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and good casting he's, for he's that. doing his best. It's yeah. excellent casting. But at the end, at the, it builds to this climax where they have to lead the charge on this uh, fort that's on the bloody edge of a beach where it's basically it's like walking into death effectively but before they go before they go out uh broderick gives the line where it's oh god what is it it's a be- it's a beautiful line it's like i'm going to i'm going to edit the clip but it's basically like whoever you know when when that if you don't stop going to, to smell the roses it's uh, <laughs> life no, moves pretty fast <laughs> This man should fall. Who will lift the flag and carry on? I will. And the thing about it is, is it's fucking earned. The whole film feels to be like a, 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 it climaxes at that point where they have earned his respect. But not only that, the black soldiers have earned the respect of the white soldiers. I think it's very much a, gla- not, uh, 
glossed Hollywood's depiction of maybe what the real events were, but for the purposes of that film, it was really powerful. And if and I, it's worth watching because when they charge onto that beach, I had tears streaming down my face. I thought it was utterly uh, so moving and so powerful. It's uh, it was very very effective because you're tapping into the thing that every human being sort of is wrestling with in their life, which is purpose. And moments that define you, and what do you stand for, and what 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 are you willing to die for? And those are questions that, if we don't have to face them ourselves, you can still sort of relate and empathise to the characters. And and I guess it's like sports movies as well. They they capture that moment of of um, everything depending on finding the courage, and it's it's so exciting to watch your movies. And I do love in glory Denzel Washington's character struggles with that. His whole arc in that film is, I want to. He wants to fight, but he doesn't know what he's fighting for. Yeah. He's like, why am I dying for this, and why am I dying for that? But it's kind of through their relationship. Did he win an Oscar for that for that movie? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's what he was sure fighting he for. Yeah, he was for his Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> Denzel Washington in Glory. <laughs> but if you haven't seen Glory, I would, you know, honestly, I think it's well worth a revisit. Um, yeah, Edward, Zwick, Edward Zwick, Zwick, the yeah. yeah. Did you ever see his other one, um, The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise? I did. I watched a lot of it for this. And it has a great score. I used to write a lot to that score. Hans Zimmer. It's a Hans Zimmer score. That that makes sense, yeah. The, the last Hans Zimmer has up, scored so many great battle scenes. Absolutely. Didn't he do the one for... He did Gladiator as well, didn't he? Gladiator. And he did... He did Black Hawk Down. Oh, yeah. And um, all of Ridley's ones. All of Ridley's Christopher Nolan worked an awful lot with Christopher Nolan. Yeah, he's basically been one of the most... One of the one of the greatest components of the last three years. Dunkirk recently. He did that one. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's a that's, a, that's a uh, an organized evacuation and an air assault, so it doesn't yes. count into this. Yeah, I I I I I assessed this and I went to no, it doesn't quite fit in. You were talking about the last samurai, and I I rewatched it for this. Did you? Okay. Does it hold yeah. up? Because I loved that in the, in the cinema. Didn't no no didn't work. Doesn't work for me. The reason is it, it Tom Cruise's work. hair. It's not his hair, it's that the whole thing feels like it's a Hollywood glossy cliche. There's so many but don't you kind of love that at times, that sort of distilling it right down to um, big swings and, and sort of economical, tropey uh, turns, where it just feels like this is a really, this is a really juicy Big Mac. For me, usually it works, right? But in just in this instance, it it didn't work. Even the battle scenes, they feel like they're they feel like they're not they, they, for slow motion. They have they they have like artificial slow motion. I hate, I hate that. And Ridley does it a few times in Kingdom of Heaven yeah. as well. But you know what you're tapping into there, and I'm wondering whether there's any truth to this. You you need a really great movie star or an actor who is commanding for battle scenes and war movies in general to work. 
you've got to feel, you know, it's like that leadership quality. You've got Absolutely. to feel like the person that is delivering that motivational speech that you're going to die for can yeah. deliver it, can sell it to you. Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Amazing. One. Yeah. Three weeks from now, I will be harvesting my crops. Imagine where you will be. And it will be so. Hold the line. Stay with me. If you find yourself alone, riding in green fields with the sun on your face, do not be troubled. For you are in Elysium. And you're already dead. <laughs> Brothers, what we do in life echoes in eternity. You know, I think what what's important is do the parameters of this world f- feel real? Do you understand and relate to what the conflict is? Do you actually feel like, in the instance of Braveheart, they are dying, they are against the wall. If they don't fight today, they're going to lose their, they're, they're never going to be free. Whenever it is something very simplistic, like a last stand, like the Alamo or like with Zulu, yeah. or it's hold a line. I love mm-hmm. those moments. They, they give me tingles where it's like, okay, the stakes here I can get. The other one, I, I, do you know what? We only talk about movies, but I kept struggling uh, with Game of Thrones because I kept uh, yeah, wanting to bring it up because Game of Thrones- Bring it up. Bring Game it up. There's a couple. Th- there's about four of them and they are fucking fantastic, all of them. And I was so invested in every one of them from the Battle of Blackfire or whatever it was called in season two or three. There's no one on board. The one where they're trying to take Winterfell back. Mm-hmm. Uh, the season was season seven or season eight. It was last in the final season, the one at night. Yeah, against that the, was the, fantastic. The ice, the folk. zombies. Jesus yeah. Christ! I forget everything. I used to live and breathe that show, <laughs> and now I can't even yeah. remember what the fuck the enemies were. The ice yeah. zombies. Um. Oh my God! I was so into those and when I was trying to prep this episode with you, I was saying the reason that I get really into them is because I'm invested in multiple characters, fates and journeys. Okay. And for a lot of the battle scenes, especially in these 
in this last 20 years when CG has overtaken everything, you might have like one or two. You might have the advers- adversaries on either side and then it's just a glut of CG and the characters yeah. aren't really fleshed out and you're not really invested in the outcome of what's going to happen for either of them. But with a TV show like Game of Thrones, where every character has something which you can latch onto and you're, you're, you, you like them or you like to hate them, seeing yeah. the fate that befalls them is riveting. So the battle scenes in, in Game of Thrones far surpass every battle scene I've seen in all the movies. And that show also established a precedence that any character could die. Mm-hmm. Any character could suffer an awful fate. So you're even more on edge watching that. Because when you're watching a film, like say for a Braveheart, you know Braveheart's, you know, Braveheart's going to live to the end, you know, or is Braveheart's not going to die halfway through. Yeah, almost to the very, very end. That was such a gruesome ending as well. It's pure Mel Gibson stuff. Oh, yeah. He loves his gore. He loves I mean, his look body what he did horror to Jesus. I know I gave the walloping of Jesus. He gave him an absolute heart slashing. Do you remember in Game of Thrones when the Hound went up against Brienne of Tarth and it was just yeah. mano on mano? And I wasn't aware of the books and I wasn't sure where this was going. And I just remember thinking, oh, fuck no. I don't want either of them to die. This yeah. has to be a, a score draw. This, no, don't do this to me. And that's TV. That's the power of great writing, great casting. And and that's what I want out of battle scenes. I want mm-hmm. to feel like it's a penalty shootout and you're leaning forward and it's like, oh, Jesus Christ, please, please. Yeah. Score. Fancy sword you got there. Where'd he get it? I've been looking at Lannister gold all my life. Go on, Brienne of fucking Tarth. Tell me that's not Lannister gold. Jamie Lannister gave me the sword. The bloody gate's ten miles. I swore to your mother by the old gods I don't care what you swore. Are you? You had the girl. She's not coming with you. She is. You're not a good listener. Valerian steel. I always wanted some Valerian steel. Come with me, Arya. I'll take you to safety. Safety? Where the fuck's that? Her auntie Neary's dead. Her mother's dead. Her father's dead. Her brother's dead. Winterfell's a pile of rubble. There's no safety, you dumb bitch. You don't know that by now. You're the wrong one to watch over her. And that's what you're doing? Watching over her? Aye, that's what I'm doing. There was one I I thought I'd bring up because it was actually an ambush. There's a couple of great battles that are ambushes. That's a scene in our in our wheel. Best ambush. Oh scene. right. Oh well I can back away. Because from it's that. sort of that sort of plays into like plotting and and heists. Where yeah. you, you, you have to sort of set a trap. Yeah. But go on. What, what well, was this? this? I can bring up one ambush, which is from the point of view of the ambushies or the people who are being ambushed. And it's in Last of the Mohicans. Okay. Yeah. I, it's the one where uh Daniel Plainview, aka Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> is trying to Mr. evacuate Madeline Stowe. Yeah, Mr. Milkshake. He's, he's uh, leaving with the British soldiers going through the forest and they get ambushed by the the Native American. Which, which are, who are the bad guys in that? But the ambush comes from both sides. The Comanches, wasn't it? 
I can't, I think it was the Comanches. Yeah, I'm not really sure. But it's so, it's all done, as you're saying, there's no CG. It's all done so live in this really wide shot. And you see the, 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 those musket flashes going off on either side of the tree line. And the, that column of British soldiers just, just scrambling to try and figure out what's going on. And you immediately are going, oh, they're fucked. It felt they're really fucked. safe. You felt like you could feel those bullets hit. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and again, there's the stress of having those muskets, which you have to load each bloody round, like, you know, That's you're such a trying good to get film. three rounds. Yeah, I rewatched that film. for this film as well. Um, but look, do you know when you look back at those movies, don't you just weep for what movies have become now? Where I'm missing that big, real tactile stuff. I'm just, missing it so much. You can tell that they were there, they were in the yeah. fucking rainforest, and they had the props, and they were firing them. Yeah, and, and yeah, you, people were getting hurt, and it was you could great. <laughs> and I loved it. I know they were actually bleeding, and sixteen men died to get yeah. that shot right. But uh, why I like that was it's a it's a really cool ambush scene. But it's where we see uh, a column. We we have one force ambush in the other, and we see the British soldier having to react and like pulling their guns out and trying to trying to form ranks, and it just being just chaos just real and true chaos in that moment and I think that's you know fantastic Ray here before you die know that I will put under the knife your children so I will wipe your seed from the earth forever another thing I like in movies in battle scenes is the still moments before things go crazy, right? The kind of the contrast between the the stillness yeah. and the chaos. And there, there's some films have great moments like that. There's one that I watched this morning again for this episode. And it was a recommendation by, I think it was Jamie or, uh, Who? or Jamie Hannigan. Oh, oh, you've never heard of him. He's had on once or twice before. We should get him Jamie on the podcast. Maybe, yeah, yeah. He, he should be great. He's got a great voice, very, very soothing voice. But he, I can never hear him. There's always some technical issue with his audio. <laughs> he recommended Thirteen Assassins. Have you ever seen it? I've not seen it. Takashi Miki, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I watched it when it first came out, and I re- and I remember really liking it. And as soon as he mentioned, it, I went, "Oh shit, I have to rewatch that." So, so desperately in the scramble this morning, I I, I I found my copy and I watched it. And that film has an amazing contrast of chaos and stillness, because mm-hmm. the entire first hour of the film is this quiet, still period drama. With long shots, the scenes are also still, and but yes, there's an awful lot of horror and body horror and awful things happen in that first in the first hour. I had a film lecturer once who said, "If the movie starts quiet, it should end loud. If it starts loud, it should end quiet." Well, this film starts with a whisper and ends screaming yeah. because the second hour is the battle. There's an entire second hour that is all a tactile battle. There's there's only one moment of CG in it, and that's an animal rights thing to kind of like protect oh, animals for fuck's from sake. animal rights. But yeah, but it's obviously you don't you know they set some boars or they set some cows alight to you know to charge through the opposing forces. Thirteen Assassins is an excellent film if you haven't seen, but be prepared, like you know, because it's a remake of a 1960s film. You 
might think it's a little bit like Seven Samurai, but um, it's basically really simple. There's this absolute monster of a of a warlord who is a, a monster and it's established in the first hour why he's a monster. God, horrible things he does. Does he have and tentacles? He doesn't have tentacles. It's what he does to people. He he dismembers innocent people. He dismembers a younger. That sounds like Takashi Miki. Yeah. Yeah. But basically, the first hour sets up why this guy has to be killed. And the second hour is this group of samurai putting in a plan to stop, to, to, to corner him and ambush him and mm-hmm. uh, wipe out his force. And it's fucking brilliant. It's really brilliant. It's really great. Uh, well worth watching, but then be prepared. 13 Assassins. Very good film. Big Trouble Little China. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I love it. Street oh, Battle. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <gasps> oh, shit. Yeah. Great call. Thank and you. Those fucking ninjas come down. When it was, what are they called? The, what are they called? The, the, the three gods. The, the three storms. The three storms when they come down and they put up their hand and the, the blade goes shoop into their arm and they do a kind of a, a forward flip and throw the knives. Love that stuff. Wind. It's great. Drizzle and hail. <laughs> Damp. <laughs> <laughs> bit of fog yeah that's a what the Irish three storms would be <laughs> you know what Ridley Scott did he did like a trilogy of great battle films with, great, with films with great battle scenes in the okay. late 2000s, early 2000s. Um, Black Hawk Down. Yes. Kingdom of we've Heaven. Named, we've named two of them already. Yeah, we've named them. Um, Kingdom oh, of Heaven is right. Um, yeah. We've got two now, Kevin. Uh, ooh, we've the already, Last Duel doesn't have many battle scenes. We've already talked about it this morning. We've already talked about it in this conversation, the other one. Have we? Mm-hmm. Gladiator. Yeah. The the battle the the battle of the start they were against the in Germania. Oh God, yeah, the way it opens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I was thinking it's like, where he where he gives that speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He shoots battle scenes so beautifully as well. Yeah, I've rewatched it. It's it's very very cool. Again, the lighting, that color, the use mm-hmm. of the, the kind of the the tone and the and do you know the other thing he does that I love? Wispy snow. Wispy snow. <laughs> You mentioned that on what did we talk about? We talked about the last jewel on one of the mini yes! bits on the Patreon, and you talked yeah. about. I love the wispy snow he has in his in his movies. He captures yeah. that sort of early morning, dewy, uh, chilly sort of weather better than anybody. Yeah, Michael Bay's got Bayhem, the the sort of the the twilight with the sun is just setting, and Ridley's got the dawn, sort of the coming over the the. Uh, Damp, foggy hills. And little delicate snowflakes. Yeah. Just, you know, you just want to run around after, you know, and just make your heads. <laughs> <laughs> Open your mouth and catch them on your tongue. Yeah. All the so, ash. Like, you think about those three films. He made those films in the, over the course of like five years, like, you know. Uh, Gladiator, uh, Kingdom of Heaven, and Black Hawk Down. Black Hawk Down is... The most of that film is a battle, is is a battle, and a not an intentional battle, but it is a battle between the, the the Delta Force soldiers trying to get out of of uh, Mogadishu, and they are besieged 
the warriors, I suppose, would count as well. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Because it's like it's like a blend of Black Hawk Down and Big Trouble in Little China. If you just smush yeah. it together, the movie is yeah. like them going up against different sets of street gangs. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. I wonder what scene I'm going to pick. You, you, you have to convince me here because I'm giving all the really good ones. I haven't got, I haven't got there yet. <laughs> There's one on Netflix that I rewatched. I'd watched when it first came out and I rewatched most Night of it for Teeth. this. Not Nighties. Is there a bad, there's not enough of a big uh, group in that. Sorry, Adam. So the, the one I'm thinking of is The King. A king has no friends. Only followers. And foe. A new chapter of my life has begun. As prince, I spent my days drinking, clowning. Now I find myself the king. Choose your steps wisely, dear brother. They have their own kingdoms behind their eyes. I need men around me I can trust. You are my friend. I will come with you. Now you will be watched over by an altogether different king. I haven't seen this. It's worth watching, right? I've seen the battle. You've seen the battle? Yes. And I, okay. oh, it blended in um, seamlessly with the Chris Pine movie. Was it? Oh, the Outlaw King. The Outlaw King, yeah. I haven't seen that. Okay. Very similar types of shootings of battles. Okay. There is a, an incredible, uh, incredibly dirty, brutal uh, battle in that where we're talking about in the, you know, 13, 1400s and you have, you know, soldiers versus soldiers wearing this thick, cumbersome armour and you see the reality and the practicality of trying to fight with that where it's just lads smashing against each other. And it's just that's not it's like it's just yeah. like lads wearing dustbins just running at each other, and it's uh it's, it's it's brutal, and it kind of feels like oh maybe that's kind of the reality of maybe what that was like. Alexander has one where they're they're using fucking elephants. Oh yeah! Oh god! I didn't rewatch that. Don't they all do Irish accents in that? Well, Colin Farrell does, and we've got Miley in there as well from Glenroe. I remember. Did you see that in the cinema? Alexander? Yeah. No, I didn't see it. Well, I saw it in a packed house on opening weekend in Galway. Don't tell and me when, people started singing the Glen Rose theme. They didn't start singing. When fucking Miley appeared um, uh, on screen, the whole place erupted. It was like, uh, and it wasn't like erupted in laughter. They were like, yeah, it was like, our oh, there's, our, there's our boy. That's the man. Gangs of New York. I saw that in... Um, the gate in Cork and when Daniel Day-Lewis said something, it was something like God made the world in in seven days. Did he make it in seven days? God made the world in six days and on the seventh day he rested. Rested, yeah. But he says something like God made the world in six days and on the seventh day he took a squat and out came Ireland. (laughs) And the cinema erupted in laughter. And I don't think you get that reaction anywhere else. Yeah. But uh, that's also got a good battle in it. You know, that opening sort of street brawl. 
Yeah, it yeah. really, really does. Well, that's, so I think we're one of the few nations that could that we enjoy when people rip the piss out of us. Yes, it's actually we're, like, we're t- come on, we you can do better than that. It's a part of our DNA. We're we're terrible, tall, poppy syndrome people, but it's also very entertaining. We we just slay no, each we, other we're and we're ourselves. savage towards each other. But it's oh, terrible. That there's there's a sense of affection in that. You know, but earlier on, there was a film that I, another film that I rewatched for this, and we were talking about those quiet moments, right? And they're actually these quiet moments of anticipation where you're, you're like, you know, you're you're building up for the battle, and it's from Zulu. Josephine Levine presents Zulu. These are the days and nights of fury and honor, of courage and cowardice that an entire century of empire-making and film-making can never surpass. Zulu's great. It's a very good film, even though it's about the colonials. But the colonials get them. Um, it's about a defeat. They get their class. arse handed to them. There's a moment in that film where the Zulus have the British soldiers completely and utterly surrounded and outmanned and all that sort of stuff. And the Zulus start singing. And there's this yes. really genuinely yeah. beautiful. And it's not like scary, but it's just like, it's so elegant and lovely but this is their little chant this is their motivational speech Then the, the the British soldiers start singing their church hymns in kind of to, to counter it, and it's like a it's like a song song battle. That's what it is. You think the Welsh can't do better than that, Owen? Well, they've got a very good bass section, mind, but no top tenors, that's for sure. Stop your dreaming Can't you see Their spear points gleaming See their warrior pennant Streaming to this Battlefield Sing! Men of Alex Stand ye steady Come on, sing! There's a moment as well in John Lee Hancock's The Alamo, the one that starred Billy Bob Thornton and Dennis Quaid, where you have Davy Crockett playing the violin and the guys that are camping outside the Alamo can hear it. And there's sort of this back and forth that's going on. And that's a lovely moment. Podbot, drop that scene in there.
Thank you, Podboss. It's just sitting there. It's just sitting there. <laughs> but you know what's great about Zulu? Again, it's pre-CGI, and you know that yeah. they got all those guys out there, and they were filming in the baking heat day after day after day to sell the moment. And mm-hmm. it, it's so believable. A lot more believable than Michael Caine's upper-class accent. Yeah. Samuel Baker, I think it's Samuel Baker is the lead in it. And he might have been like producer of the film or something like that as well. But yeah, it's, it's Michael Caine's first leading role, if I believe, or he's like, he's, he's top lining it anyway. But it's a very good film. It grates because I you think end up Irish liking people, them. I don't know if I end up liking them. I end up going, I end up going, oh, you're colonious. You're, you're, here you are over in Africa doing exactly what you did across the world, you know, being colonists. Invading and, and trying like to take over a country. And yeah. 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 Uh, but in this case, you know, it's a, it's a, a story where they get the shit kicked out of them, you know? So I think it's okay to, to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> the older I've gotten, the less I want to, I, I'm there watching a battle scene for the kind of the crack and the weaponry and the shooting and the explosions. And the more I've become anti-war and I think battle scenes should, should be cautionary things. They should be scenes that make us feel like, oh, I don't want to go there or we should avoid battle. Or we should avoid, avoid war at all costs. And I think those scenes work or films that depict that type of message are ones where we see young lives being lost and thrown away Mm -hmm. frivolously. One that I watched for this was Gallipoli. From a place you never heard of comes a story you'll never forget. that really really hit home I thought it was an amazing film Peter Weir's film with Mel Gibson as well a very young Mel Gibson yeah and he creates these he invests us in these young Australian lads with their entire lives ahead of them one the main guy being this fantastically honourable just a lovely lad and a really talented runner like he's going to be a gold medalist and him and Mel Gibson head off to war we witnessed them at Gallipoli, this horrific battle in Turkey. And um, when the battle happens, tragedy strikes and we feel that loss, that deep, deep loss. And I think battle scenes need to do that. Is they need to convey a sense of utter waste and, 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 and it should be a terrible thing. Yeah, there's a great quote from Franklin D. Roosevelt who says that war is young men dying and old men talking. This is a fun episode, Kevin. We were just talking about I'm talking about young people. It's a hard episode for me to um, talk about because, as I said, all of the the battle scenes blend together, and they do yeah. tend to feel a little bit like white noise. It's the moments that you're talking about the the motivational moments, the build up to war, the preparation for it, the quiet moments before the bloodshed starts, and sometimes even like the the sort of the cool down when it's all happened and it's like you're surveying the battlefield and was it all worth it? And those are the moments that I like, but the actual rah, clashing of swords, yeah. it needs to be a great movie for me to sort of get invested in that. It just feels, uh, it, it can feel a little bit like kids playing with plastic toy soldiers, smashing them mm-hmm. together. Yeah. So Kevin, 
you put it to our our people on Twitter and Discord, and uh, what does what suggestions did they give you? I'll read out a few of them here. Uh, Richard Keeney said Hacksaw Ridge, the um, siege begins. Um, Jared Kelly mentioned Barry Lyndon. Do you remember the the red coat battle and that? Oh yeah, I didn't think to revisit that. The King, which you mentioned, Tommy Ryan mentioned that. Andy Gaffney mentioned the battlefield run scene in 1917. Okay. Um, it's not really, you know, uh, 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 army against army, but, you know, it's on the battlefield. So I guess it counts yeah. for that. Um, a Bridge Too Far, uh, the Robert Redford crossing scene. Tommy also mentioned that. William Perkins said Paths of Glory, um, Charging the Ant Hill. Do, 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 do. Uh, there's another Mel Gibson one that got brought up the one that he did with Heat Ledger oh The, the Patriot. Patriot yeah Ronald Emmerich mm-hmm. directed that uh, John McNallan said that um, Daniel Price he's taking the piss he mentioned what? The Phantom Menace when Jar Jar Binks oh, says ouch no, time I- <laughs> okay, you have to be taking a piss there. Um, <laughs> that's the old. That's the epitome of where everything kind of went, started to go wrong. Where we had like CG battles, where it's just like, okay, okay, hand me the controller. I want. I'd like to play. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of other than like um, sea battles and air battles and space battles and stuff. But that's just some of the ones that I mentioned. They all are valid yeah. and cool. Well, I think my favorite battle scene is probably going to be the one that you're going to say next. Okay. Well, I want I want to I want to rapid fire. I've got a couple. I've got a couple, right? Do you realize so you that when you rapid fire, three. you have to throw in the, the scenes? Well, hold on a second. I'm going to let you pick, right? I'm going to let you pick. Oh, I've you're giving me three. multiple choices. Okay. Yes. Here we go. And you might have seen one of them, <laughs> right? But I'm going the to let you The problem is at my age, no, Will, at 35, no matter <laughs> 35 to charge a life brigade <laughs> go on no matter even if even if I've seen the films if I can recall them is another matter entirely yeah <laughs> go ahead okay so one that I wanted to bring up which I rewatched a film I rewatched for this Akira Kurosawa has done a lot of fucking battle scenes yeah okay Throne of Blood yeah that's a battle scene Seven Samurai kind of an ambush scene whatever you know it's not really but the one that I revisited and fucking loved was for 1985 Ran it's a take on King Lear right where we have this this uh, kind of a an old king who is coming to the end of his yeah his, it's king lear the end of his life and he's looking to divide his kingdom out amongst his three sons okay and it all goes to shit and he ends up getting you know shoved to the to the side and he doesn't like it his ego won't let him take take it quietly but it all starts to tumble down and two of his sons ambush him to combine armies and ambush him in in, a, in a, one of these castles but it's that particular scene where we have these armies attacking this fort that the king is you know the one's king is is residing in and it's utterly magnificent and terrible and terrifying because it's set in this what looks like a volcanic crater mm. and all the ground is black and there's two armies one has got these 
blue fluttering flag flags and the other has red fluttering flags and they are it's it, it, the whole thing is set just to music so you don't have like uh, you don't have the sound of explosion or sh- shouting and screaming you just have this like terrible score and in the keep of this castle you see this king who's now this haunted figure and there's fucking flying arrows flaming arrows flying left and right of him and he's just sitting there kind of coming face waiting to face for with the, waiting for what and the terrible realisation of that what he's done or what, he's t- what his own sons are doing to him his world is just breaking apart I think that's an amazing scene it really is it's so poetic horribly poetic so that's one I remember it um, reminded me of he looked an awful lot like the Lopan from Big Trouble yes. in China yes. he had the same sort of like design look to him the second scene Kevin okay is from your favourite film franchise Lord of the Rings okay from the second film he's gone he's gone to sleep lazy he's, he's, he's I'm gone. not I'm thinking the two towers and it's of course the uh, the, the battle of Helms, Helms is it Helms Deep Helms Keep what the fuck is it called I can't remember Helms Deep Helms I don't Keep. know I just remembered the two towers came down on 9-11 yeah that that was it yeah that for me is that I was referencing a video essay earlier on and Nerd Writer did an amazing video essay on this battle and breaks down how amazingly well constructed this particular scene is. Nerd Rider is a YouTuber. Yes. Yeah. You mentioned yeah. him on one of our Patreon episodes, I remember. Yes. Nerd Rider ex- won. He did an amazing video and if you uh, you should check it out. But I think he's right the the entire franchise builds the the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, that original trilogy. The the Battle of Helm's Deep is the the mid-act climax the best part of mid-act that climax. entire thing we're back to that it really is it is it is it's the best it's the it's everything kind of builds to this moment it's the point of no return this moment. it's fucking amazing yeah again it doesn't feel oversaturated with CG effects even though CG effects are used uh, a lot in it but you have an army of orcs at the at the walls of Helm's Deep you have men uh, and ch- women and children backed up against the yeah, wall. Sandwiches. Come on! <laughs> Continue. <laughs> it's it's the composition of this fucking battle, how well it's shot, because you can, even though it's nice and it's raining, you can still get the geography of everything that's happening. This has the perfect, it's the perfect mini film within the film because it's got that big beginning where you, you have the anticipation of the coming, the fear. Jonah, I was talking about the quiet before the storm where there you have these, the, the, the archers are on the battlements and one of the old guys just accidentally lets a, a, an arrow go and that starts the whole thing. This old guy nervously just lets an arrow fly. It's a moment of comedy. There's little, little flecks of comedy throughout this battle as well. Um, this, the great rapport between Legolas and Gimli the Dwarf counting the head counts. Of course, the classic shield surfing scene. Oh yeah, that's, <laughs> that was amazing. But I do think that is a fantastic battle scene. Am I not right, Kevin? You are right. I mean, I mentioned it at the top of the episode uh, as being one of my favourite moments from Return of the Rings. So, <laughs> I... I don't dislike those movies. I just don't... Um, it's the same as Star Wars. They're there, they're they're, they're fine. They're good. I enjoy yeah. them for what they are. 
but I'm not a devoted fanboy for them like other people are. So I've, there's a third option, Kevin, okay? And the third option is, of course, I didn't want to bring it up. I was desperately searching for something else, some other option. I, I'm sure it's going to be the one that I'm going to pick. Well, it's from Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Steven Spielberg's film, of course. Clear the rim! 30 seconds! Got me with you! Northside stick, starboard side stick. Move fast and clear those murder holes. Yeah, that's my pick. Is your <laughs> don't even have to go into it. No. Why is your pick, Kevin? Why do you why do you like that scene? Because it lived up to the hype. I remember going to see that film because everyone kept saying the opening twenty minutes were going to blow your mind. Uh, it was so sort of like in your face from the minute it starts right through uh, to when they set off on their mission to uh, shave Ryan's privates. Isn't that? <laughs> is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Maybe that that's a different it. movie. But, um, <laughs> and it worked. You know, the, the, yeah. the, the legends of what they were shooting because they filmed that in Ireland. Uh, that beach, the storming... Wexford. Uh, the, the beach... Was it Wexford? Yeah, they shot in Wexford, yeah. So, the, it, it it was in the days pre-having the internet at home, being able to sort of track movies beyond the, the mythic sort of hearsay that you would hear, or maybe a few snippets that would be in print media. And when the film came out and all the sort of the, the hype that was around it, uh, I thought, okay, let, let's see what Mr... Senior Spellburgo is going to um, deliver and fuck me from when the the hatch drops down and the first guy gets his head blown off I was like okay I'm in and it really sold the idea that it was a bloodbath and a slaughter and that the Americans weren't entirely the good guys where they were being incredibly cruel to the well they were Nazis obviously so you're not meant to have much sympathy for them but you do see the loss of humanity that that comes about when the gloves are off and people can just let their bloodlust run rampant burning people alive that sort of thing Um, but it was incredible and it's one of the most thrilling visceral sequences that Spielberg has ever shot in his entire career and for me, for my money, Spielberg is the greatest filmmaker that Hollywood has ever produced. So for him to have a sequence like that, that's a battle scene, it has to be that. Yeah, it kind of has to be. And I find it even more amazing that he made the scene, and he's a filmmaker that up to this point had been accused of over-sentimentalizing things. And that sequence on its own... Hook. Is, de- yeah, is devoid of music. He stripped away so many things. He stripped away storyboards. There was no storyboards used. You know, for, as I we think that about that was process. John Williams' suggestion, though, where he said, I can't to score this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's so, it works so much better without it. To the point where 
we already mentioned where Janos Kaminsky has stripped away layers of the camera, stripped away, it bleached some of the more of the color out of it. So Wasn't it has that this very one of the distinct, first films to do that. The, it was the, the, the first bleach film bypass. It. Was yeah, it, bleep, it was the first it was one. one of those, you know, skipping a step in the in the process of developing film, but also the shutter speed. There's basically, in my mind, there's before Saving Private Ryan and there's after Saving Private Ryan for these types of uh, for these action um, these battle scenes, and nothing after Saving Private Ryan really has reached it because it takes you from being a passive audience on the hilltop watching it as entertainment and it actually does it drags you into the screen and makes you feel like you are there with them his choice to not storyboard was excellent because he was he was shooting on the fly he was like following following the action on over those days that they were shooting that that sequence and uh, improvising as he went along and it feels like that it feels like it's a it's a they're grabbing moments it feels like there was probably loads more that was happening and it was just Okay, get this moment, get that moment, get this moment. Yeah. But beyond that, there are lovely little moments that he peppers in that are very darkly ironic. Where you have like a guy who um he gets shot in the head mm-hmm. and it hits his helmet and he takes it off and he's like, Oh my god, like he can't believe his luck and then he gets shot in the head and he's killed. Yeah. It's like, uh Which in an in another film that would have been a com- comedic moment. You know, it's like it'd be like Tom Arnold kissing his crotch you know, when you know the bullets ping off him. But in actual fact, Tom, Tom Arnold gets his dick shot off. You know, um, that's kind <laughs> I don't of remember what that in that movie. <laughs> yeah, but that's what this film is doing. Is it's it's showing you the harsh reality, and maybe uh, in the in the rest of the film there are moments that are might be overly sentimental. And, there you know, are. I face criticism. I that. wish that he cut out the beginning of the movie when you have the old version of Matt Damon walking yeah. to the cemetery and looking down and they do that sort of um, morphing morphing and you think it, I guess it's a bait and switch you think that that's Tom Hanks mm-hmm. and then at the end it's morphed from uh, Matt Damon into the old guy <laughs> does it work it does work I suppose but nowadays you'd almost think um, I wish it opened it. with the hatch just falling down like bang yeah. was straight into it yeah, it does. It does so much different to the rest of the film where, you know, different to other films where we're talking about, you know, sometimes you need to establish who are the good guys and who are the bad guys and why are they doing this. But the geography of this, it, it, it almost it throws you in there. It's like, no, you are there. It's like now you need to latch on. What I love, that's what I love about it, is that you don't have a specific identifiable hero. Yeah, you have Tom Hanks. You have this kind of cast of characters on the, Vin on, Diesel. The, on the landing ship. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Well, he's disturbing my family. Family, you know. Um, when he died, <laughs> I was delighted. Uh, <laughs> yeah. he, was, he was the only guy who stood, stood nah, up in the audience. I'm only, I'm only joking. Um, <laughs> he, he's very good in that film actually they're yes, all so yeah. good it's a great cast of characters and you know what else I yeah. love it does one of those things that only a couple of other movies do like Shaun of the Dead where they show you another batch of characters that are just passing through the scene and you're like oh my god that's Ted Danson and that's like yeah like they've cast every little little role um, with notable recognisable actors and it's a great movie and it's a great pick. Well, are you picking it? I am picking it. That's it. So it's sealed. So our best battle scene is that opening battle at the Omaha Beast Landing and Saving Private Ryan. Is this the first time that we've both had the same scene? 
I, I think it actually might be. Because is this your be. scene, actually? You've, you've, you've yeah, you ran. I was going me. with this. Okay. Yeah, right. I was going with this. I genuinely was going on. I, I would love to have uh, picked um, the, the, the scene from Tin Red Line, which the one that Jamie which, uh, Jamie spoke about it so well. Which, on which one's Jamie again? J- Jamie is not Pierce. And oh, okay. Uh, we got to yeah, get him on so the podcast. Yeah, someday. We will. We will. I have an honourable mention. Okay. The opening to RRR when Raju Very good. storms the mob to apprehend a guy who threw a rock that knocked one of the colonialist British guys' picture off the wall and broke it. And he's yeah. instructed to uh, capture that bastard. And he wades in with just a baton. Not a baton, a baton. <laughs> Big yeah. difference there, I think. Um, a majorette's baton and uh, <laughs> although that would actually fit with that film because that film is fucking nuts <laughs> if he waited in with majorette's pom-poms yeah. pom-poms it would he, he would have still he still would have worked I mean they, they do a whole dance sequence where they're just dancing with their braces it's on, their, on their pants um, that movie's nuts that movie is so much fun and that opening sequence which is one man against Taking an on an army, yeah. You and whose yeah. army is great. So uh, I want to mention that as well. I'll allow it because it's a fun film. Kevin, that wraps William. up episode 40 of the main show. Fantastic. Yes. So what we do, let's, should we, should we, I don't know. On? What do we usually do? I suppose, we um, the, spin the wheel. Follow us on, yeah. Okay. Spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. <laughs> right. Kevin, spinning the wheel. It is spinning. And you have got best superhero scene. What do you think of that? Okay, so my scene is the opening to RRR. (laughs) (laughs) That film effectively is a superhero film. It It really really is. is. Yeah. Well, that's... We've done well. We've gotten to 41 episodes and we've not done superheroes. I'm looking forward to the next episode where, where Kevin picks Superman the movie. Yes, that's going to be my pick. So it's all going to be yeah. about what's my next pick. Uh, right, okay, 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 okay. Very good. All I'm right. looking forward to it. Yep. And if you like this podcast, uh, rate and review us wherever you get your podcast from. You know what? Suggest it to a friend. That's another thing yes. you can do. Do, but don't That's use this episode. Thing. Use another one that I've done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, I uh, recommend I Love You, actually. That is truly one of my uh, favorite ones. Um, Why did you like that episode so much? I just love it. Because, because I wasn't you... trying to be funny. No, because you said you loved me in it. Did I? Yeah, you said you loved me. The whole episode basically was a love letter from you to me. That's what I feel it was. That was back when I was drinking a lot. <laughs> yes so uh, rate review us uh, recommend it to his friends uh, if you want to you could join us on our Patreon for the price of a coffee a month you can get a host of added bonus episodes which is great crack and the Discord is mighty crack as well it is no it's genuinely like we put a ton of effort into those episodes they're not just farted out we're not just like get on and just grumble and mumble our way through it they're proper episodes of the podcast and um, it's us even more relaxed than usual 
And there's a proper community as well. It, you, there you are. introduce a proper community of sound. It's a fans. ton of Irish and a smattering of English. So all you Americans, come on over, and you Australians and you Kiwis and what have you. There are a few of you that are using Apple to get your episodes, the bonus shows. Um, if you guys do want to join the Discord, drop us an email. It's uh, bestbitspodcast at gmail.com and um, we'll send you a link and you can jump on in and hopefully shore up my side of the arguments against these rabid bastards. <laughs> Radio. Okay. Best battle scenes. Done. And best superpower scenes. Next. Yes. I look forward to that. Da, 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 da. <laughs>The Best Bits Podcast is produced by Will and Kevin. All audio clips and music heard in this episode is the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider becoming a Patreon member where you'll receive bonus shows where we talk about recent releases and what we're up to. And you'll receive access to our Discord chat room where we hang out with our listeners. Search The Best Bits Podcast on Patreon or click on the link in the show notes. And here is a clip from the lad's latest mini bits bonus show. The full episode, plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. Mini bits. Another new episode. Of this Patreon podcast. Exclusive. The best bits podcast with Will and Bonus content for you. Kevin, how are you? Hi, honey. How are you? Oh, you know, I've got this. I've got my corns sorted out. I went to the Chiraptus the other day, and uh, she Your said, "Corn, to, my corns." Did you, ever get, did you ever get corns? No. Did you know what a corn is? Yeah, it's a bunion on your foot, isn't it? Yeah, like in between your toes, stuff like that. Do you, um, do you not wear any shoes like around the house? You walk no, barefoot. No, I, I wear no. It's the opposite. GA shorts. It's the opposite. I wear incredibly tight shoes. Like those Chinese women oh. who get their feet bound, who had their feet bound, like, you know, before the turn of yeah. this last century. And so they had incredible corns and bunions. This is a great opener for a Mini Bits episode where we get people disgusted. Squally, it's episode 73 of the Mini Bits. <laughs> I'm Kevin, you're Will. This is yeah. our Patreon podcast. Thank you to all our lovely patrons. Yeah. A few of you have jumped in recently. I don't know what we said. We try to goad people into joining up every single episode and then every so often it's like a lot of people join because of one specific episode and yeah. I'm like what did we how did we say it what did we say on that episode it's different <laughs> to the other 270 episodes maybe it didn't sound as desperate maybe we said don't join maybe reverse psychology that's how we should do it reverse psychology don't join up to our patron don't it's <laughs> Cancel. You don't des- everybody cancel. You don't deserve to be in this group. We don't want you. We don't we like don't the look need of you. you. We don't we don't need anybody. <laughs> it's just us. It's absolutely just us. Hey, should we tell people we we did I don't know, maybe we shouldn't say it on mic, especially so early. We did an interview with the Irish Examiner last Friday. We did. 
Yeah. And uh, how do you think yeah. I how do you think I did? I I I think you did all right. Like you didn't interrupt me once, so I was <laughs> delighted with how I came across. But you know, there's no sort of time limit on this. We don't know when it's going to get posted. One of our friends was saying, Kathy at the cinema was saying that their interview with did they do the examiner as well? It was six uh, months yeah. before it posted. And, and the Guardian, I'm pretty sure. They were they were profiled in the Gar- Guardian as well. Yeah, but we don't do any really promotion. Like nah. we don't do anything. Well, this is our first time getting any sort of like proper coverage, which is going to be mad. So um, uh, listen to all you listeners who have uh, found us before we explode. You're, 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 you're an OG. Bust. You're an OG <laughs> listener before Kevin starts getting gold chains from all his Patreon dash. I think I'm more of a silver than a gold. I think oh, yeah. my uh, undertones suit more silver. But, uh, yeah. I just want to die. Those I, are my Prince Albert. <laughs> Your hat? <laughs> yeah. I Speaking of, of the, which. I want one of those diamond studs in my tooth. That's all I want. So I can go bing whenever I'm on a call. Oh, uh, yeah. Bing. I usually just, you know, wink and like glints. Yeah. Like starlight twinkle. <laughs> Speaking of which, I interrupted you. What, 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 did, what did you want to speak of, which? Start the timer. Oh. I forgot. You may as well. Start the timer. They, all, all these lucky losers are listening in and, and they're wondering, what are we going to be talking about? But we have to start talking about them after. Yeah. We, we say goodbye. But look, I wanted to talk to you about, um, well, you've seen a few things. You've seen the new Godzilla film. Yes. I've seen the first Omen. Uh, I saw Scoop as well. That, oh, uh, we're looking Netflix forward to watching thing. that. Okay. Okay. I'll save my thoughts. And right. um, what else did I see? I made notes, but sure. You it doesn't did. really matter. I think I saw it. And I was going to go through all the summer releases and see what oh, takes your fancy. Okay. Okay. I'm looking forward because I don't actually know what's what's on the horizon. So um, I'm Well, the Joker 2 trailer came out today. I saw it. Yes. I watched that. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of Chicago. Yeah. It's kind of like you see it's all very much in the mind's eye. It, they're calling it a jukebox musical. Am I right in saying that? I think you're right in saying that. So, like, hey. Listen, uh, I actually, what it, what it did remind me of <laughs> was that I want to watch, rewatch The Joker because I saw it in the cinema and I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. It was a kind of a bold new direction. Uh, I'm just going to go back and watch the episodes from the Batman 66 show, the Joker episodes. Oh yeah, that's going to be... Just to fill me in just, like on the lore. Get up to speed. Get you right up to speed. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be there going, where... Where are all the guys in the purple suits with the masks? Why are, when are they going to show up? And like, it's you know, a weird time though, where we have the Penguin TV show with Colin Farrell coming out, which is a totally different canon version of the Penguin. Then you have this offshoot of Joker, which is its own universe entirely. Hmm. And then you have the old Batman films that you can watch. Right. And, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just I don't know. I'm kind There's of so many IP. But like this, this is everywhere. What well, what's happened is the world, the comic book world, has very much entered the the film world. It's where you could have different runs, totally different runs of a character by it's different insane. authors, and there would be totally different riffs on it and stuff. Oh, oh, it's this is the insane. thing, Kevin. So <laughs> I'm only catching up on this. You mentioned it to me on a on a pod on a podcast. Was it on one of those 
uh, it was the last. Show. It was the last mini bits. Uh, I you, think. you said everyone's describing stuff as insane recently. I, and have you started noticing it though? Only, only, only with people trying to raise you. That's the only type, only where place where I've noticed people. No, people on Discord are trying to every, raise you. Oh my god! Oh my god! I could start posting though, like um, tweets, comments, TikToks. Uh, articles, anything insane is everywhere. This is insane. That's insane. It's insane. There was a festival just going on about this insane lineup. I was okay. like, oh, it's a mentally ill lineup. Okay, <laughs> it's just it's it's everywhere. And the other, th- do you know, the other thing that's also bothering me lately. Wow. wow. And this has been bothering me for years and years and years. It used to be that everyone used to misspell definitely. They'd go defiantly. Okay. Oh, it's defiantly whatever. They would just they're all morons. But no. I just keep noticing everyone keeps spelling a lot as one word, A-L-O-T, a lot. Where has, where have they gotten into their heads that a lot is one word? It's the same way that people will write every time as one word. What's the one that you've, you've pulled me up on a few times and I can't get it right? Compliment. Compliment. I can't, (laughs) but I can't get it right. It's like the you I. Because I told you the other day. Yeah, and I went searching for it and I couldn't find it because I had to actually had to an, use it. If there's an I in compliment, it's yeah. I'm paying you oh, a compliment. That's a good way to remember it. Okay, good. And then compliment. I, I wrote that to you. But you did. And I went to try and find it because I was I would found myself writing the word compliments. And I went, shit, Kevin. But, I, but you, you gave me a thumbs up, which meant in my world that, yeah, I read that. Thanks. But I did, right? I'm talking about a couple of days later when I was faced with the exact same hurdle of writing the word compliment, I went, okay, what did Kevin say again about compliment? There's an I and the E. What did he say? So I went searching for it and I found it, I think. And I went, oh, the I is paying me a compliment or I'm giving you a compliment. It's insane how little you can retain information. It's insane. (laughs) Come here, let's start talking about what we watched. Come on. Did you start the timer? Yeah, it's it's gone. It's ticking. It's ticking down. The world's going oh, to explode. Do you know what I have to put in the sound effect. I have to. I have to line oh. up all my sound effects. When you said start the timer, like, I have a whole it's... fucking. I have a whole soundboard. Here. Ah. Okay. Jesus Christ! Where's me fucking? What? Where's me ding dang ding? Here we go. The timer has started. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Right.